So we're reading today from Psalm 81, and Asaph is the author, but he speaks as if he were God, expressing God's heart and desire for his people. You can imagine a loving parent speaking over a child who's gone away from them, rejected the family, and you hear the pain, which is God's pain. For it was I, the Lord your God, who rescued you from the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide, and I will fill it with good things. But no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel didn't want me around. So I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Oh, that my people would listen to me. Oh, that Israel would follow me, walking in my paths. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, there's a few reasons today for singing a Credence Clearwater Revival Bad Moon Rising song. Obviously, Florida and the Bahamas and the southeast, particularly our neighbors to the east, are prepping for Hurricane Dorian, and it looks like they will hear shortly hurricanes blowing and have rivers overflowing. So accept that prayer, some, accept that song somewhat as a prayer for those folks, especially this morning the folks in the Bahamas. It's going to be a rough few days there. A second reason is related directly to my most recent trip to El Salvador. I've been going to Central America for 25 years, and I've done a lot of different things while I have been there. I have built orphanages and churches and houses for the poor, taught Sunday school and preached and fed the homeless and trained local pastors, on and on. But this immediate past trip was the first time in all of those years that I actually picked up a guitar while I was there. And it was a revelation. Uh, None more so than here. Let me show you a slide. This sweet girl in this bed, her name is Patty. And Patty has been at a special needs orphanage for 10 years. She's not mobile. She's not verbal. Uh, And as dismal as it may appear her life is, she's in a good place compared to where she was. Her mother was a prostitute and not only sold herself, but sold Patty to men when she was a little child. And she was rescued and brought here. And uh, in that particular picture, I am singing, I shall be released to her. And uh, again, not verbal, not talking, but tears of joy were running down her face as I sang. And she was trying to clap her hands. And so when I finished, I had to go out behind the building to weep, but I was in good company because Tim and Kurt and Rob were already there doing the same thing. Music is a powerful thing. I know that. You know that. And music is my first love. You know that as well. But I was reminded of all of that this week at that special needs facility, at church, at the orphanages, in the prison with three dozen MS-18 gang members at the dedication of the home we built. Everywhere I pulled that guitar out, people would gather around, and I didn't need a whole lot of Spanish to communicate. The music did the work. That and everywhere I went, everyone wanted to hear a Credence Clearwater Revival song. (laughs) This is pirated video right here. 
because this was inside a facility where no pictures were supposed to be taken, so don't repeat this. The young man clapping his hands right, right there, his name is Peter. He is blind, developmentally uh, challenged and disabled, and he asked me to come over and play a song for him. And so he and I right there are singing, Have You Ever Seen the Rain? And he knows every single word in English. Another picture, again, pirated video. Tim playing the water bottle drum. Jeff Allen singing backup vocals, and there we are singing down on the corner, <laughs> out across the street. And when I wasn't singing CCR songs, like here at the house dedication, uh, I had people come up to me afterwards and say, you sound just like John Fogarty from CCR. And I was like, what is going on in this country? <laughs> Far and away, Bad Moon Rising was the most requested song of the week. Everywhere that I went, orphans. Special needs adults, our interpreters. Why? Well, I did a little research this week, and I found out. What I discovered is that Bad Moon Rising is so popular in Central and South America because it has been adapted as a major fight song for several national soccer teams. It goes back to Argentina was throttling Brazil in the World Cup a few years ago, like 7-1 to one or whatever it was, and... John Fogarty came on singing Bad Moon Rising, and the Argentinian fans adapted the lyrics that can't be repeated in this room as a way of taunting Brazil. And since that time, even Manchester United is now using Bad Moon Rising when they're trouncing someone on the soccer field. And soccer in Central America, South America, is like SEC football here. And, and <laughs> Brazil is the team everyone loves to hate. I mean, other teams come to mind here. Okay, now full, full disclosure, we got started a little late this morning because Garrett wanted to add that picture and it caused the computer system to crash and it had to be rebooted. It had to be rebooted. But it was worth it, okay? It was worth it. Here is the first rule when you are encountering a new or different culture than your own. Observe and learn. Listen. Don't impose your ideas upon that culture. There's an old saying that's gone around for years in missionary circles. As if the indigenous person is speaking back to the person who has come to their country. And the person says, if you have come here as my teacher, I will not learn. If you have come here as a student, we will learn together. And I have found that that holds up year after year after year. And who could have known that a 60-pound Hofner guitar that was badly out of tune and the strings were rusty, and a 50-year-old John Fogarty song could open up an entire culture for the week. It was an education, and what a beautiful way to connect with people. But there's another reason for this song today beyond hurricanes and soccer. It meshes so well with our lectionary reading from Psalm 81. We heard only a portion of this psalm, but the psalm is, as Anna introduced it, quite dark. 
Asaph is the author, we are told. His name appears about a dozen, above about a dozen psalms. Likely he is the same Asaph named among David's chief musicians. David wrote most of the psalms, okay? But there were other guys in the band that could write too. And occasionally they had a hit. John Fogarty wrote 90% of CCR's songs, but Dale Hawkins wrote Susie Q, and Stu Cook, the bass player, wrote a few too. It's like that. David gets all the credit, but here's Asaph with a contribution. David's psalms are all over the place. He's happy, he's sad. He's praising God one minute, and all is right with the world, and the next he's begging God to bash his enemy's brains in. David is just honest. And there is a power there in his honesty that has lasted all of this time. You read Asaph's psalms, however, and they're dark. They're brooding. He's more like Tom Waits or Johnny Cash or Lucinda Williams. There's a lot of angst beneath the surface. His is the voice of rage and ruin, at least in the psalms. Number 81 is the case that proves the point. In just the portion that we have read today, he begins by speaking with the divine voice, again, as Anna explained. I, the Lord your God, rescued you from the land of Egypt, he says. It's the parental voice as well. I've been good to you. Don't you know that you have a nice house and a roof over your head and food on your table in your own room? You don't have to worry about where your next meal is coming from. You have clothes on your back. Show a little gratitude every now and again. That's the true parental voice, is it not? Haven't you said something like that before? Like any good parent, a parent intends good things for their children. And Asaph in this psalm says God intends good things for his children. And then the hammer falls, the fretful Asaph, verse 11. But no, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around. So I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. They won't listen. I've talked to them till I am blue in the face. I might as well be talking to a fence post. They're stubborn as a mule and have half the sense. I've heard that one before. Parents say these sort of things, not out of spite, but out of love. You get frustrated with someone who has so much potential, so much going for them, and they seem to just sort of fritter it away by being so stubborn to do things their own way. And you know sometimes that that child is going to hurt himself or herself, right? You know that by being this stubborn and by sticking to their own ideas about how they they think something ought to be done, they're going to get in trouble. Because you know there is nothing that is a match for a 16-year-old adolescent boy when put up with an idiot 50-year-old father. He knows everything. I know nothing. Back to John Fogarty's writing of this song real quick. Fogarty, according to his biography, wrote Bad Moon Rising after watching a movie from the 1940s entitled The Devil and Daniel Webster. 
There's the devil himself. He went by Mr. Scratch. Has anybody ever seen this movie? Oh, my God. There's a few old folks in the crowd. That's great. I'm just kidding. Well, Mr. Scratch, in this classic morality tale, finds this down-and-out farmer who is poor, he's broke, he has no future, and you know what he offers him. I'll give you seven years of good luck, and you just give me your soul at the end. Deal. And so Mr. Scratch goes to work, and, and the farmer, I believe his name is Jabez Stone, starts prospering and getting wealthy, and he's, he's rich, and he has a mansion, and he's popular. He's somewhat of a celebrity. The years go by, one at a time, and then one evening, real late, there's a terrible storm arises. A hurricane descends on this little town out of nowhere. And Jabez realizes then that the bill has come due. And that's the inspiration for this song. John Fogarty, 23 years old when he wrote the song, takes this image and brings it into this apocalyptic type song. It's got Revelation 6 all over it. The sun became as dark as black cloth. The moon became as red as blood. The stars fell to the earth. The sky was rolled up like a scroll. And all of the mountains and islands were moved from their places. John Fogarty, I hope you got your things together. Hope you are quite prepared to die. Looks like we're in for nasty weather. One eye taken for an eye. Does this mean then, according to Asaph in Psalm 81 and John Fogarty in 1969, that God is eager to pummel us into the dust with our own personal apocalypse, our own personal catastrophes? Does this mean that God waits lurking like that eager ticket-riding cop running a speed trap. And he just waits for us to come speeding by and pulls in behind us. He wants to ride a ticket. He wants even more that we resist arrest so that he can punish us. That's the God I grew up with. Maybe you grew up with that same God. It's certainly the God I inherited. This idea of God that was given to me and this may be a characterization, but it's accurate nonetheless, was that God really didn't like me. Oh, God loves everybody, but not really. Not you. Because you are a sinner, and God can't tolerate sin. And if God can't tolerate sin, God can't tolerate you. And so Jesus shows up to stand in the way. Jesus shows up to say, now, God, they're really not as bad. I'll tell you, I'll tell you what, I'll, you just kill me, and you won't have to kill them. Okay. I know that's a characterization, but when you're a young person growing up in the church, that's what you hear. God is the bad cop. Jesus is the good cop. God is to be feared. Jesus is to be trusted. Speaking of El Salvador, this is a slide from a place called Tazamal. We drove by it this week. We didn't get to stop and see it, but I've been there, and I think there are some folks in this room that have been there with me. Tazamal is the most uh, preserved Mayan site in all of El Salvador. This is a massive complex here. This complex that you see on the screen is, is, is bigger than this entire business park. And at one time, this was a religious center where, quite literally, human sacrifice was offered at the top of that grassy knoll on top of those stones. Now, why did they kill people? Well, 
If the crops were bad, God must be angry. We'll shed some blood. If the monsoon is too much and there's a flood, God must be angry. Let's shed some blood. If there's a disease in the village, the gods are angry. Let's shed some blood. All primitive religion anywhere in the world is built on that premise. That when things go wrong, somebody has to pay. So let's round up some folks and we will offer them. And sad to say, a lot of Christianity today hangs on to that same idea as well. That God is an itchy, twitchy executioner. Just waiting, waiting to rain down judgment on people. And it's a fallacy. Here is the gospel truth. Jesus did not come to earth to convince God to love us. Jesus came to earth to convince us that God already loves us. There's a huge difference between those two. God is no longer angry. God, Paul says, has reconciled all things unto himself. There's nothing left to be afraid of. No anger to placate. No blood to shed. Only God's love to receive. God loves us not because we are good. Not because we are lovable. Not because of what we can do for him or do for others. And not because of the way we make him feel. God loves us because God is actually that good. And God is actually that gracious. God is not out to get anybody. God is out to get you in on His love and grace. Not to do you in. Do you understand? So, what about Asaph and John Fogarty? They seem pretty angry. Like bad things are going to happen. Well, texts like this about paying the bill when it comes due, if you read them real close, this is what you find. You find that it's very hard to find God ever arbitrarily dishing out the pain. In almost every case, the punishment is simply the natural outcome of our own actions. God doesn't have to do a thing. We do it to ourselves. Verse 11 again, my people wouldn't listen. Israel did not want me around, so I let them follow their own stubborn desires, living according to their own ideas. Now you do this. Follow your own stubborn desires. You stick with your own half-baked ideas. And you won't have any trouble whatsoever from God. None. I can almost guarantee that. Because you will have so much trouble with yourself. What else could God do to you? Do some of you know what I'm talking about? We have this hurricane threatening the coast, and there is all this angst about destruction. Don't blame God. Tropical cyclones are a natural occurring phenomenon in the Atlantic Basin and the Gulf of Mexico. We know this. And if you build a multi-million dollar house on a pile of sand, you're probably going to cry when it gets knocked over. But don't be surprised. 
if you smoke cigarettes for 50 years and you get lung cancer, don't come to the preacher and say, I just don't know how God could do this to me. Right? If I go eat at McDonald's every day for the next 25 years and I wake up having had my chest cracked open by a cardiologist, I shouldn't say, why, God, did this happen to me? Do you understand what I'm saying? So much of what we suffer, God hasn't caused it. The devil's not after you. The world hasn't gone wrong. It's the decisions we have made that have brought it on ourselves. Remember the story by Lalabaz? I've told it a few times here. He's cold one night, the mythical figure in a desert in Afghanistan, and his mate says to him, fly down to hell and get us some fire to keep us warm. And he flies down to hell to get the fire to keep him and his mate warm. And he comes back empty-handed and his friend says, where's the fire? And he said, there is no fire in hell. Everybody has to bring their own. That's what this text is about. You who are parents know what I'm talking about. Haven't you reached a point, or one day you will, even for brand new Wilder back there, where any discipline you offer, any counsel you give, will be ineffective, useless. What do you do then? You let consequences run the course with that child. How many of you were ever told, if you end up in jail one night, don't call me? Anybody? My parents told me that. I didn't end up in jail because they realized that they weren't spiteful. They simply realized if we get to the point that you're in jail, I don't think there's much else I can do for you. You're going to have to learn some things from life and circumstances and your own boneheaded decisions that I as a parent cannot teach you. That's what this text is about. God doesn't give up on us. But sometimes we are given over to the consequences of our actions. Honestly, the worst trouble I've ever been in my life, in my life, is not really what someone else has done to me, although I would sometimes like to frame it that way. And it definitely hasn't been what God has done to me. The worst trouble I've ever been in my life is what I've done to myself. <laughs> I didn't listen. I ignored wise words. I shut the quiet, steady voice of God out. I was stubborn, had my own ideas about things, thinking I could manage it, thinking I could fix it, thinking I could get around it. And at such times, we have to, if I can quote the 12-step workbook, accept hardship as the pathway to peace. You learn from it. You accept it. And you get on with it, because no matter how you have messed up, there is no value whatsoever in wallowing in it. The loving God is ready to restore you. Shouldn't you give yourself the same amount of grace that God does? I have a little 12-step prayer book on my shelf, a tiny little thing. Here is a prayer from it as our benediction for all of us, whether we're drunk or sober, high or low. Because the solution is the same for all of us. Hear these words. Dear God, it is I who has made my life a mess. I have done it and no one else. And I cannot undo it. I am ready now to admit my wrongs, 
ready to be honest with and about myself. And with your help and grace, I seek to have every single defect of my character removed that I might live a life of peace with myself, with others, and with you. That we all might be moved to pray such a prayer, saving us from our own rage and ruin.